Well, well, well. It is the second half of October, and that means baseball playoffs. And I recall when I was young and in elementary and junior high that the World Series was such a big deal that if we did our work in class quietly, they could turn the radio on so that we could hear the World Series in our classroom. I don't know when that got discontinued, but it's a, it's a fun memory to have. Now, I grew up doing whatever my older brother did, and he was a Dodgers fan. We lived in North Dakota, so we could choose to be allegiant to anybody. And so I was a Dodgers fan, too. And, of course, the team that we loved to hate were the Yankees. But the Yankees had some damn good people, especially at that time. They were winning championships right and left. But my favorite character of all the Yankees that I've ever encountered one way or another is Yogi Berra. Now, Yogi grew up in uh, St. Louis in a hard area of town, was a son of Italian immigrants, and he loved baseball. And by the time he finished the eighth grade, he refused to go to school and he wanted to do nothing but play baseball. This accounts, I think, for his uh, wonderful peculiarities of language. That's what I consider to be what we want to kind of jump off and talk about today. And the quote that I like a lot that's going to apply to what we're going to chat about over tea today, by the way, I don't think Yogi did tea. I know he did do beer. Anyway, his quote was, baseball is 90% metal and the other half is physical. Now, I like that quote. I wonder whether much the same might not be said about Parkinson's disease. I'm beginning to think that it is a question of who has the disease, not what disease they have. Because there are some people that have a temperament or a mindset that do much better than others with things like Parkinson's. And in coming days, I'll talk to you more about the mind and the body, but everybody admits quickly, oh yeah, well, the mind has incredible power of the body, yet very few people know how to use it. And so if Yogi has a good idea going here that Parkinson's is 90% mental and the other half physical, we've, we've got some work to do. Of course, I've got more quotes from Yogi. Congratulations, I knew the record would stand until it was broken. Or, you better cut the pizza in four pieces because I'm not hungry enough to eat six. Or this one. <laughs> the future ain't what it used to be. Or, again, one more. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. So, let's look at this. If there is a mental aspect to how we deal with Parkinson's, it seems important that we give it as much attention as we do to our levodopa doses. I think you've seen my, my criticism of contemporary approaches in our country to Parkinson's because it's locked into the scientific model so tightly that there isn't much wiggle room about the mind. 
And when the mind is involved, it usually takes place of, in psychiatric studies, which it's, it's like eating Kleenex. It's, it just it is pretty dull stuff. I'll tell you one, one more story about my Aunt Nora. I've talked to you about Aunt Nora before, but Aunt Nora, when I was a very little boy, my brother and I were staying with her for a summer because my mother was in the mental hospital. And uh, they had, Nora had no children. And she was so cheerful. And to understand this story, you got to understand what it's like to, in North Dakota about 1950. And that is, is farmers saw every hawk, every blackbird, every crow, every magpie as an enemy to be destroyed. It just was the going mindset. So anyway, my brother and I were out walking through the trees of the windbreak, and uh, we located a nest of magpies. We told Nora about it, and she said, well, you need to get those out of there. So my brother climbed up the tree, and there were young magpies in the nest, and we threw them out did what Nora wanted and got rid of a bird that is thought to kill baby chicks. But then she called us into the house because she just baked some bread, and I had two of the, of the uh, baby magpies with me. So as we ran to the house, I didn't know what to do, and I came in the back door, and I looked for a place to put them, and I saw this barrel with a lid, and I pulled the lid up and threw them in the barrel. So my Aunt Nora, two days later, had gone to the flower bucket barrel, and an odor really struck her in the face of dead birds. And she picked those two baby magpies out of the flower, walked into the kitchen where my brother and I were, and said, what wonderful little boy left these magpies for me? And I raised my hand and proudly said, I did, Aunt Nora. And she said, and she was loving and she laughed. She said, they don't go in the flower barrel. Now, this is what I call a merry heart. And when we're going to talk about the mental game of Parkinson's disease, our best ally is our merry heart. And a merry heart is no respecter of intelligence or of education. I've known children with Down syndrome, and this might be one of their more wonderful traits, who have merry hearts. So this is the new term I'm going to introduce to our conversations. And it has to do with our mindset toward the disease. And it's the inner dialogue that goes on. And I want to be like my Aunt Nora and Yogi Berra. And I want to have a merry heart. And I wish you the same.